Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You are listening to the third part of our series, Untangling Emotions. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 55, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. That's good news, y'all. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want to call our message today, How to Renew Your Mind. How to Renew Your Mind. Come on, let's give Jesus praise in this place. Come on, can we give it up for the worship team one more time? You guys can take a seat. So glad that you could be here today. Come on, my name is Harrison, and uh, I'm just excited to share, excited to preach today. We are in the third part of our sermon series called Untangling Emotions. Can you guys um, just make some noise if this has been helpful for anyone at all? So far, um, we have... A pretty simple theme uh, for, for this series, it's all about getting healthy emotionally. And so our, our kind of thesis is pretty simple, because uh, as a church, man, we want to lead people to Jesus. We want to grow closer to him. And uh, we just say pretty simply that we cannot be spiritually healthy while remaining emotionally unhealthy uh, or emotionally immature. And so what that means is like the actual depth of my relationship with Jesus uh, many times is dependent on my emotional health. And so we're getting healthy in this series. Anyone feel healthier after the last couple of weeks? Come on. So um, today uh, we're going to talk about, and I don't even think I I talked to Amy, but the the set worked out perfectly because we're talking about fear and anxiety today. And so it's going to be really good. And I just want to make sure quickly, does my mic have to echo so hard? Is that... Is there anything we can do about that? It's just kind of in my head right now, but you guys good? Okay, I'll get out of my head. I'll get out of my feelings. I'll renew my mind. That's what, that's what we're doing today. So uh, last week we talked about anger. How many guys are here last week for anger? And uh, last week, man, like as a church, if you guys don't know, like we love the feedback, we love the response, because we just believe that God is communicating and we can talk back sometimes. Um, But last week, and it wasn't a sign that it wasn't good, I think it was a sign that the Holy Spirit was doing something deep, but like it got real quiet in here last week. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, like this is all up in my business. And so uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen today. We'll see if it, if it stays that way. Maybe it'll get quiet. Maybe it'll get loud. Um, but this week, I want to talk about fear and anxiety. Now, I know that's two different emotions. I'll explain how and why they're connected. Um, but what I want to do is, is really even more than give us tools, um, or sorry, even more than just kind of like untangling uh, the emotion, I want to give us tools that can help us fight. 
Uh, that's what I want to do. You see, I think what's interesting uh, when it comes to the emotions of fear and anger, specifically, um, I think kind of culturally right now, there's almost a rhetoric that I think is different than, than anger or whatever, whatever other emotion we might go through. Because I think when it comes to anger, if we understand, like, I'm struggling with it, I want to get better with that, like, a lot of times it's like, okay, I'm going to work on that. Like, going to work on my anger, going to manage it, going to get better. But I think a lot of times when it comes to fear and anxiety, for a lot of us, we kind of almost, even before engaging, we admit defeat. And we say things like, not even that I struggle with anxiety, but we say things like, I am anxious. I think a lot of times we tie it to our core DNA of, like, who we are. And I just happen to believe that's a lie from the pits of hell. And I just believe that God has something better for us than an anxious mind, than a fearful life, than, than an outlook that can never look forward because you're always worried. And so more than anything, what I want to do today is I want to give us tools to fight because I don't believe that that is the way that God wants us to live. I believe there is something better. So we're fighting today. Anyone ready to fight today? And so... Um, I just happen to believe the absolute best way to fight is to get into the Word of God. And so, um, because as the text said, his way is better than my way. And so we're going to study how to renew our minds his way, his way. But before we kind of get into that, I want to just give us a couple definitions so we understand what I'm talking about today. And so um, first thing we'll kind of talk about is fear. Now, I'll give you a definition. You guys probably know what fear is, but what fear is, like by definition, uh, it's an intense biological response to an immediate danger. So the reason you're fearful, generally speaking, is because there is something right in front of you, something immediate, something that causes you to be scared. Um, every single week in this series so far, I've talked about my kids, so I'll keep the trend up. Um, I don't know what it is, like, with really all three of our kids, but like they are super, super scared. Um, I think like Christy and I, my wife, like we're pretty mellow. So I think like that's like the, the tone that they're used to. But anytime like we raise our voice, not even like yelling, but like just above like a normal kind of like monotone thing, like they immediately like jump and get scared. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty funny, pretty cute. And like, I'm not lying. I can scare them anytime if I want just by the tone of our voices. But uh, for them, what fear is, they're responding to something that is right in front of them. That's what fear is. We all on the same page? Fear is an immediate uh, response to something that is in front of us. Now, this is different than anxiety because what anxiety is, anxiety is an emotional response regarding things we think may happen. So fear deals with what is happening Anxiety deals with what might happen, what could happen. And to be honest, oftentimes doesn't actually happen. However, that's what anxiety is. And so one of the things that I want us to understand in this series is that our emotions, um, although at times they can be things that we're trying to overcome and, and untangle all of these things, at the very end of the day, emotions are given to us by God. And so one of the things that we've said in this series that although emotions can be destructive, at the very end of the day, God gave them to us. And so in its purest form, our emotions are always telling us something. In its purest form, emotions are actually good for us. One of the things we need to understand um, about, I think, fear and anxiety is that in the proper way in which they are supposed to function biologically, these emotions are actually life-giving. However, 
when they're not managed, when they begin to overtake us, that which can be life-giving can obviously become destructive and life-taking. So um, before we kind of get into it, one more thing, side note. When I use the word anxiety, um, I'm not talking about a clinical anxiety disorder because that's a separate thing. And uh, truth be told, uh, just statistically speaking, most of the anxiety that we deal with would not be clinical anxiety. Um, however, if you do deal with clinical anxiety, um, these tools today can actually help you fight, um, but you might need some more tools as well. Um, for most of us though, and this is where I want us to go today, you probably don't have clinical anxiety. Um, you can talk to your doctor and they'll just tell you you're on Instagram for 12 hours a day and that's ruining your mental health. So, with that being said, we're gonna fight. You guys ready to fight? So. Um, as I said, emotions are given to us by God. So when it comes to fear, what is fear trying to communicate? Pretty simple. Fear is trying to communicate that something I value is under attack. That's what fear is communicating. The reason I am scared is because something I value is under attack. Now, when it comes to anxiety, it'd be the same thing. Except something I value may, it might be under attack. That would be the difference. And so, um, again, in its best form, fear and anxiety can actually push us towards something that is life-giving. Like if there's a bear chasing after me, the fear is life-giving, is telling me to run. And the truth is, even when it comes to anxiousness or anxiety, it can actually be life-giving. I'll give you an example. If you have two months of money in your bank account, but you don't have a job, there should be a healthy level of anxiety that is letting you know that I have to get a job. <laughs> because there's something happening, there's something biologically letting you know that there's actually a potential for danger in the future. So that isn't actually a bad anxiety. And I actually say woe to the person that believes that anxiety is bad so they avoid it by playing video games for 12 hours a day. Woe to you because your body is actually telling you something that can be life-giving. Now, again, when it comes to fear and anxiety, specifically anxiety and the crippling type that takes so many of us out, many times it is connected perhaps to something that could be life-giving, but we take it to a step um, further where it dominates and controls, and again, it actually becomes life-taking. And I would wager to guess for most of us that struggle with anxiety, it's probably not necessarily a life-giving kind of anxiousness. And so that's why I want to give us uh, some tools to fight. And so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 55 today, and um, the context of Isaiah 55 is pretty simple. Um, it's an invitation to restoration. That's the context, invitation to restoration. And I love this verse because Jesus quotes it in the New Testament, and I'll show, it, show us that later. But in Isaiah 55, God says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk, without, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, everyone say listen. listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Now I know there's someone sitting here today and they're saying, Harrison, listen, I have tried everything. 
Like, I have tried everything to overcome fear. I've tried everything to overcome anxiety. Like, I got the light in my room. I got the window. Like, I've tried everything. But here's the question. Have we tried his way? Maybe you've tried your way. Or maybe you've tried best practices. But have you tried his way? Because it's a rich metaphor. He says, why are you spending money? Why are you eating bread? Why are you going to places that do not satisfy? So here's the question. Has your way worked out? How's it working for you? And so he has an invitation. And he says, come try my way. You see, I want you to understand, for those of us today struggling with anxiety, I believe that you're anxious. I want you to understand that I'm not minimizing what you feel. I believe that fear is creeping in, it's dominating. But what I also want us to understand is I don't think you have to live that way. I think that God has something better. And so that's what we're going to do today. So he says in verse 6, continuing on, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So... When it comes to this idea of renewing our minds, the starting point is pretty simple. He says, seek the Lord. How do I begin to renew my mind? I need to seek the Lord. In other words, when it comes to my struggles, when it comes to the issues, when it comes to those crippling emotions, and I just believe the principles today can help us with all emotions, not just fear, not just anxiety, but I want us to ask a simple question. Like, what's the first thing you seek? In those moments when you're struggling, what's the very first thing that you seek? What do you go to? For a lot of us, it's our phones. For a lot of us, maybe it's our friends. Maybe it's family. And, and, and friends and family, they're, they're not necessarily bad things. But how many of us are constantly and continually in those hard times seeking the Lord? That's the starting point. It's simply saying, Jesus, I'm following your way. I'm following your way. What does that mean? Well, he says in verse 7, he says, Let then the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. So the absolute starting point for following his way is to abandon my way. How do I follow his way? Starting point, I need to abandon my way. Now, it says let the wicked forsake their ways. And maybe you're sitting here saying to yourself, Harrison, I ain't wicked. Like, I'm a pretty good person. I volunteered last week. What do you mean, wicked? (laughs) The Bible is very clear. Without the Spirit of God within us, we're broken, wretched, wicked. Now, with the Spirit, I'm called, I'm redeemed, I'm righteous, I'm a son of God. Come on, somebody. But, like... Without any of those things, without the spirit dwelling within me, without God living, we'd be saying the song today, rest on us, right? That's, that's a prayer, like, Holy Spirit, come rest on me. Y'all don't want to see me without the Holy Spirit. It's not that nice. It's wicked. But when the spirit comes into us, something changes. And so what that means when we give up our way and embrace his, in a very biblical sense, we're saying, I'm no longer going to live in my flesh, Last week, we described the flesh as like my natural inclinations. I'm not going to follow my natural inclinations. Instead, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit and say, God, what do you have to say on this matter? God, you direct my thoughts. God, you renew my mind. So super simple. How do I renew my mind? I give up my way and embrace his. Let's go home. That's it. 
So easy, right? Um, but <laughs> easier said than done. Easier said than done. How do I give up my ways? Because one of the hardest things about giving up your way is pretty simple. It's your way. It's how we do things. It's my natural inclination. It's what I want to do when I'm fearful, when I'm angry, when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious. I have a go-to response. And so what I want us to do is I want us to give up our way, but what I believe to be true is pretty simple. I can't give up my way if I don't know what my way is. You see, one of the reasons we're doing this series, Untangling Emotions, is because the truth is I think when it comes to our emotions, a lot of us kind of just live based on feeling. In other words, I feel, therefore I act. And so I feel anxious, therefore I must be anxious. I feel angry, therefore I must be angry. But many times we do not do the deep work of understanding why we are the way that we are. And so I just believe that when it comes specifically to anxiety, we may know that we're anxious, but the truth is a lot of times we don't actually know why we're anxious. But even more aptly, because I know someone's like, Harrison, I know what it is. It's school, it's work, it's people. Yeah. A lot of times we don't know the why beneath our why. And so that's kind of where I want to go. I want to dig a little bit deeper um, because I want us to understand that the feelings that we feel, specifically when it comes to anxiety, is always connected to something deeper. And I cannot give up my way in that deeper way if I don't understand it. And so what I want to do kind of as we get going, um, before we get to his way, I want us to begin to understand our way. And so we're going to do three things to help us understand our way. Um, we're going to ask and really kind of go through three things, three questions. We're going to address, which is pretty simple, like what am I feeling? Then we're going to engage, why do I feel this way? And then we're going to correct, what does God have to say about this? So when it comes to understanding the deeper why, in other words, why am I feeling this way, we need to ask these three things, right? What am I feeling? Why do I feel this way? And what does God's word have to say about this? So the way in which we're going to do this is I'm going to go through a story in my life where I felt anxious. And as I go through my story, um, I, I don't want you to so much, I mean, listen to my story, obviously. Don't fall asleep. Um, but as I share my story, my hope not so much is that you hear my story, but that it connects to your story. And so I'm going to do this whole process through my story, and I'm gonna hope it unlocks some things in your mind so you can do the same process. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're gonna go through these three things um, kind of step by step, and I'm gonna share you, uh, I guess kind of the last time in my life I guess I was feeling anxious. And so uh, for me, it was probably uh, a couple months ago and just all of it kind of had to do with this church building. Uh, if you guys do not know, we've been in this building now for I think this is week seven. Come on. This is week seven, and so we started uh, the building process of this uh, church in February. And so uh, in February, I think I had at the time like a healthy level of anxiety. Like it wasn't overwhelming, but like there was a weight within me, because I'm the pastor, to make sure that we make good decisions, right? Like there's a lot of money that goes into this, and a lot of decisions, so on and so forth. And I, so I think I felt like a healthy level uh, of anxiety, just making sure that, like, because I, I hold a weight, right? I, I believe that God has called me to lead, and so there's a weight that comes with that. I want to do it well. 
Um, and I would say again, if I was doing this whole building project, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I felt nothing, I'm probably a weird person, right? Like you should feel level of something. And um, I take that seriously. So again, I think it was healthy, just big decisions, so on and so forth. And as the project went on, like again, it's, you know, like if there's something that comes up, like all of a sudden you gotta spend more money here, more money there, obviously you feel something, right? Like that's $5,000, okay, sure, I'm fine. Right, no, like you feel something, right? But um, as time went on, specifically as the building was almost finished, um, I began to notice something, because the building was finished, finances were going well, uh, so on and so forth, but pretty well, Every single time, you guys know the road out here coming in, um, how it kind of like curves? Without fail, every single time that I would go around this curve, I began to feel a heaviness on my chest. You guys know that feeling of like anxiety? I began to feel this heaviness and this weightiness um, literally without fail every single time I got to that same corner. Now, like a good person, I just didn't really acknowledge it like a good suppressor that I am. I just, <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, I'm sure this is normal. We all feel this heavy weight coming <laughs> around the corner. Um, and uh, it's funny, so eventually, and kind of where I got these principles from is a book called Untangling Emotions. Um, hence the name of our series, Untangling Emotions. Um, I'm so original. But as I was reading steps, and when I went through these exact three steps, to figure out what was going on. Why was I feeling anxious when in reality there was nothing actually to be anxious about? So first thing, step number one is to address. So we're going to address. And again, I'm telling this story because I want you guys to think of those times, those places, those moments. And so what am I feeling in that moment? Pretty simple. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling anxious about something. And we looked at the definition. What is the definition of fear and anxiety? Something I value is under attack. I'm feeling anxious because something I value is under attack. So for me, um, pretty simple. And, and one of the reasons that this was so important was that I began to realize, like, I'm going to drive to this church like 45 times a week every single week. And so I probably don't want to feel this way every single time I come around the bend for the rest of my life. And so the question is, that we must ask is, why do I feel this way? Now again, on the surface, at the beginning, I think I could very easily say, well, big decisions, lots of money, could, things could go wrong, so on and so forth. And sure, I can justify it, it's fine. However, when the building's done, paid, finished, why was I still feeling the same way? And so I had to begin to address, and I had to begin to do a deep work. And again, I'm telling this story to you guys, and I want you to understand, I've done a little bit of work on it. And so this takes some time, and you have to do this yourself, but you have to ask the question, why do I feel this way? Even deeper, what do I value that is under attack? That's fear, but anxiety, what do I value that could be under attack? Now, um, for me, uh, because again, we want to give up our way, we got to understand our way. So for me, um, if there's one thing that I value, uh, anyone that knows me, and again, this is a work, so it doesn't take a second, but um, give me this fast version, but I value security. Um, I'm someone that likes things secure. I like to know what's next, the future, the plans, so on and so forth. My family, uh, 
would make fun of me sometimes and say, Harrison doesn't like change. That's what they would say, right? Like, I'd flip out because my, my mom got a new couch, and she'd be like, Harrison doesn't like change. Um, <laughs> but, like, I value security. And so what I want us to understand is that um, in this moment, what I felt what was under attack was some level of security, which is why I'm feeling anxious. Now, how do we figure out what we value? Now, again, for some of us, it's easy. We know exactly what we value. Like, I value loyalty. Some of us value consistency. Some of us value um, friendships, just so on and so forth. There's a million things you can value. Um, but a lot of times, the things that we value the most um, will be the things that are connected to our fears and anxieties. If I understand my fear, if I understand my anxiety, I can begin to understand what I value. And so that's how fear and anxiety can actually be a roadmap to help us understand what we value. Now, so for me, my fear and anxiety were helping me understand what I valued, which is security. Now, one thing I want us to understand is that in our lives, the things that we value many times um, are connected to deep pains and to deep wounds. That's how we figure out a lot of times what I value the most. Now, for me, um, and I'm just sharing this again to connect to your stories, but like I come from a family that's uh, not together fully, or segmented and fragmented and all those good words. And I think, and again, it's kind of like chicken and egg, like did I always value security? I don't really know, but I think like when your family doesn't stay together, there's something that happens in you biologically to help you kind of like cope and live your life forward. And for me, it was security. Like I like to be in control. I like to know what's next. I like there to be no surprises. Don't want to be surprised. And so I value security immensely. And so bringing this all back to the building, the building project was <laughs> everything other than secure because I didn't always know what was next. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I would have these feelings. And one of the things I want us to understand, especially when our reality doesn't match up with what, with what we're feeling, and in my case, when like, I'm going around the bend and everything's okay, why do I still feel this way? The truth is, in those times, in those moments, this is a saying that can help us, if I'm hysterical, it's historical. What that means is this. If my emotions do not line up with my reality, I'm probably not actually even responding to what's happening right now. I'm responding to something that happened before. I'm responding to something that is historical. If you guys have been in our church, I've used this saying before, it helps us in conflict. Like when you, my, my husband or my wife doesn't act in a way that I think is rational, well, if they're hysterical, it's probably historical. You probably tapped into something deeper. And so in those moments, especially when things were going okay, what I began to realize is what I'm feeling in this moment is not actually in regards to anything that's happening right now, but my anxiousness is connected to a hysteria that's historical. So kind of in this moment of engaging, and is this making sense? I'm just kind of rambling to, to make it all make sense. I'm going through my thought process, how I went through this, because I want to help you guys go through this. Um, and so connected to every level of anxiety is some lie. There's a lie. The deep stuff, there's a deep lie somewhere within us. So for myself, again, I value security. And so when it comes to my spiritual life, one of the things I've realized is that there is a lie that I believe, and it's a pretty simple lie, that says God will not come through. 
when I, when, I, when I unscrapped, untangled everything, the lie that I believe is that God will not come through. Now, it's kind of weird, like, if you know me, because, like, we started a church, and we kind of do crazy things, and you're like, doesn't this guy have great faith? Um, what I've realized, and a part of this probably has to go with security, is I have great faith in myself, but I don't have great faith in God, because I believe a lie that says God will not come through. And until I began to understand that lie, all I could ever do was begin to just break things down in a surface level. Because I could like bring out spreadsheets and be like, okay, let's see where the finances line up. And um, like, that's the surface stuff. But when you get to the very deep, the lie that I believe over and over again is that God will not come through. And I want you to understand Whatever it is that is causing you your anxiousness, there is a deep lie that is embedded within you. And until you begin to bring that lie out and bring it to the light, you will always be a slave to your emotions because you'll only be able to address things at a surface level. And so my prayer is that, and I'm just praying for the Holy Spirit, as I'm telling this story, you begin to see things in your own life. And when we begin to understand the lies that we believe, our job now is to correct the lies. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, Harrison, like, if I really break down your story, like, the way that you are and all the things that you've been through, like, you didn't deserve that. Like, that was because things happened to you. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're beginning to understand your pain and your trauma and you realize it's connected to an event or a person or a thing. And it's like, that's not really fair. Like, I didn't do anything. But what we said in this series is like, I may not be responsible for what happened to me, but it's my job to heal. Listen, the lies that you believe, you may have had nothing to do with it, but it's your job to heal. It's our job to heal. Come on, somebody, it's our job to heal. And so when we begin to give up our ways, what does that mean for me personally? It means I need to begin to give up. I need to begin to correct the lie that says God will not come through. Because that just ain't true. So what does it mean to correct? He says, Isaiah 55, verse 7, he says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. So how do I begin to correct? Pretty simple. It begins with repentance. Repentance. You're looking at my story, you're like, Harrison, what do you have to say sorry for? What do you have to repent for? It's pretty simple. I believe a lie that is completely contradicted by everything that is written in Scripture. Because the Bible is clear over and over again that we serve a God that will not fail. That those who are with him, come on somebody, are strong. That God is for us. And so when the lies I believe are confronted by the truths of Scripture, I must repent. The only way I can get rid of my ways and my sinful beliefs are if I repent. And we live in a society, I want us to understand this, where no one wants to take responsibility, where we want to blame and deflect and put it on someone else. Understand this, someone else has taken the blame. His name is Jesus. And so our job is to come under his banner and simply say, God, my way's not working. Jesus, forgive me. And look at this beautiful thing. He says, turn to God and he will freely pardon. Yeah. 
he'll freely pardon. Why? Because he understands us. He says, it's okay, son. I forgive you. Here's the better way. I understand that lie, but here's the better way. You see, at the end of the day, my lies, and I don't know what your lie is, but it's not rooted in reality. It's not rooted in reality. Here's the reality. Isaiah 43, he says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Listen, someone here, you believe a lie that you're not worthy, that you're not loved, that you're not accepted. Listen, he says, you are mine. You are mine. Maybe some of you guys believe the lie that he won't come through. He says, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. They will not sweep over you. You will not be burned. The flames will not be set ablaze. Whatever the lie is that you believe, it must be corrected and confronted with, with Scripture and understand that it is Jesus who freely pardons. And the best part is God's response is grace. What is his response to my repentance? It's grace. Every single time. The Bible says a righteous person falls seven times, but he's met with grace. Every single time when he turns to Jesus, when he repents. And so I want us to understand this. Because I told you, we're embracing God's way. You're like, Harrison, I so much liked better daily affirmations that I'm loved. <laughs> like, turning on that UV light for 10 hours is way easier than this. I'll never be able to embrace God's way until I first acknowledge what my way is. But even more than that, I have to acknowledge my way doesn't work. You want to know what's funny? Um, as I said, I'm very confident, but my way doesn't work. It doesn't work because I can be confident until I have no control. And then when I have no control, I suddenly have no faith because I have to rely on someone that isn't me. And so the lie that God isn't going to come through brings up another lie that says, I'll always be there for me. I'll always be good enough. I'll always make it through. I'll always make it work. But I have to correct and have to confront those lies with truths. So how do I do that? Two ways. Number one, I must always look back at the faithfulness of God. How do I begin to correct lies? I need to, I need to look back at the faithfulness of God. Now, you need to understand, I can only speak for me, but I, I think it's going to work for you as well. I can't help but look at my life as a living testimony for all that God has done. There's just so much, and, and it's funny because I look at my life sometimes in the review, and what I realize is that maybe the reason that God calls me to do so many things that take me outside of my comfort zone is because if I stayed in my comfort zone, my confidence would rest solely in me. But sometimes God tells me to do crazy things that I'm not confident in so he can begin to build a confidence that is not rooted in myself but in him. And I look at this church, I look at this building, I am forced to come here every single day and acknowledge the faithfulness of God that God built these walls, that God made a way. You know, like we, 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 we financed this thing during COVID. It doesn't even make sense. I was talking to a guy last night. I was at a wedding. He's like, uh, you started your church during COVID. He's like, that must suck. That must be hard for you guys. And I'm like, yeah, but God, and like, I had just told him we like just built a church. And I'm like, you didn't get the connection. God is good all the time. 
And so I must look at the faithfulness of God. And in your life, I want you to understand God has made a way. The fact that you are sitting in this seat today is a testament to the faithfulness of God. Because you've had times, those dark times, where you've wanted to give up. You've wanted to crawl into a ball. You've had seasons where you told yourself, I'm never going to leave my room again, but you're here today. And I believe that's a testament to the faithfulness of God. And if he's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. He who begun a good work in me will carry it out into completion. Listen, y'all, we're a work in progress. And I'm just believing that God who began a work in you will carry it out to completion. And I have to look back at the faithfulness of God. Listen, look back at those seasons where you have no idea how you made it through financially, but God made a way. Where money came out of nowhere. He's been faithful before, he's going to be faithful again. And so what I have to do is I have to begin to replace, this is number two, replace the lie with the truth. I look back at the faithfulness of God and I replace the lie with the truth. Where is the truth found? Well, it's found in our experiences, but even more than that, it's found in his word. The most accurate depiction of the faithfulness of God is in his word. It's not in my feelings, it's in his word. And his word will, more often than not, you'll find it when you really begin to local match up with your life. And so he says, pretty simple, Isaiah 55, verse 8, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, you need to understand this. How do I replace the lie with the truth? Well, number one, I need to understand that my feelings lie to me all the time. Listen, whatever you're feeling today, feelings are not a fact. Feelings are fleeting. Faith is a fact. Faith is a fact, I said. Faith is a fact. My feelings are fleeting. Faith is a fact. You want to know how I know your feelings and your emotions lie to you? Go look in your closet. You got clothes in there that you wouldn't be caught dead in today. But there was something that told you at a time in a season, this looks kind of good. And what I want you to understand is that you have thought processes, you have emotions, you have lines in your head that probably were never good in any season, but they're certainly not good in this season and where God wants you to go. But the beautiful thing is I don't have to be a slave to my feelings because feelings are fleeting. Faith is a fact. I saw a clip um, online. Maybe some of you guys saw it. It was kind of circulating. Uh, you guys know Francis Chan? He's a, he's a pastor. And it was a little clip, and he just said, uh, he said, one of the most damning things, one of the worst things about this generation, he says, is they think way too highly of their thoughts. They think way too highly of them th themselves. And he says, the reason this is the worst thing ever is because God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And so I need to go to a place that takes me out of my head. Can I, can I let you know something in that conflict that you've been experiencing? Maybe it's internal or maybe it's with someone. If you've been going through it with your thoughts, your ways, your emotions, you're probably in the wrong. Because my thoughts lie to me, my feelings lie to me, but God's way is higher. His way is not my way. And so I need to replace the lie with the truth, and the truth is found within scripture. I love Psalm 42. I don't have it on the screen, but it is David. He's saying, why my soul are you downcast? Why my soul are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God 
for I will praise him, for he is my savior. He is my God. I love that psalm because what he's saying, he's acknowledging what I feel. Like my soul is downcast. I'm not feeling good, but guess what? My feelings are fleeting, so I'm not putting my hope there. I'm putting it higher in a savior because his ways, come on somebody, are higher than my ways. And so when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to fear, if my feelings don't line up with the things that God has said about me, something needs correcting, something needs changing, and something needs to be given up. It needs to be given up. We need to give up our way and embrace his way. And what I love about Isaiah 55, and Prince, you can come up here because we're wrapping is that Jesus in the New Testament, because really in Isaiah 55, it's, it's God speaking prophetically to Israel. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he fulfills the prophecy. And he reiterates the words of Isaiah 55 in John chapter 7. It says, in the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so I want us to understand something, especially for someone in this place that has felt like they're a slave to their emotions, that felt like there is no other way, this is my way, I am anxious, I am fearful, I've tried everything. Listen, Jesus has an invitation today. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come. Listen, if your way's not working, there's an invitation today. It's a pretty simple invitation. He says, come. That other way's not working. The stuff you're eating, the stuff you're drinking, it's spoiling, it's going bad, it's stale, but I have bread. I got living bread. And church, it's a deep work to understand I know for a lot of us, there's pains and there's hurts and there's heartaches and there's things that we've been through and it's it's a deep thing we have to go through. But on the other end, there's life and life abundant. I said there's life and life abundant. And it's painful and it's hard and, and I have to go back and I gotta go to places I'd rather not go and I'd rather stay at the surface. But the deeper that we go, And the more we understand who we are, the lies that we believe, there's freedom on the other end. And I've said it a time and time again in this series, it's for freedom that Jesus has set us free. So be free. Be free. Listen, you're in this room, you're saved, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, that's amazing. That's amazing. But I don't want you to live the rest of your life just praying I get to heaven. Because there's freedom here and now. There's freedom today. And so right now, I want to declare in the name of Jesus, number one, an outpouring of his spirit. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is the absolute best counselor. The Bible calls him wise counselor. And he can unlock things inside of us that we've hidden, that trauma has pushed so deep, we don't want to go there, but the Holy Spirit can unlock you. And so I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to to pour today in our lives that we can begin to engage and then correct. And so I would just love, can we just stand for a second, church?
I just feel, um, worship team, are you guys all here? I'm going to invite you guys up. This isn't planned, but you can, t- you can take this. We're just going to sing one more time. Because I just believe that there's a response for what we're about to do. And we're going to declare that fear has no hold in this place. It's got no hold in my heart because Jesus' way is better. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing one more time. And I want this to be a declaration and a declaration of healing. Because listen, maybe for some of us, like you read the words, fear has no hold on me. But now we're going to declare it. Because I belong to Jesus. Because I belong to Jesus. So God, I just pray that you just unlock something inside of us, God. Lord, for your Holy Spirit to just speak so clear to us. Jesus, for the hurts, for the pains, for the lies that we believe that have caused us anxiety, that have caused us pain. God, for those places that we go where our hearts feel heavy, I pray for freedom. And so Jesus, fill this place with your spirit, God, and I just pray that we can come in agreement and just agree that fear has no hold. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I want you to continue to do. We love you, God. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.